Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. Today's episode, we're going to talk about the five ways people realize they are psychic and sometimes a medium. Everyone realizes their intuitive gifts at some point in life. We just call it different things. Some people say, I'm sensitive, God spoke to me, I was lost and I saw my way out, I can read people really well, I had a vision, I just knew what to do. For most, intuition leaves as fast as it shows up, it feels elusive and random. Our mind convinces us that it was the source of the clarity or flash of wisdom. I was born a psychic medium. I can spot another born psychic medium in a crowd of thousands. I see it in your eyes. I see it in your hesitation to say something for fear of offending or for fear of channeling whatever you weren't supposed to say out loud. I see the burden of the energy in your body. Many of you have the classic or the cliche gypsy body, you know, and that's a sign of being highly intuitive. When I found a mentorship program in 2007, I discovered that being born as psychic as I was, was rare. I was one of the few in the group that had had experiences all my life. I was tormented by seeing too much, knowing too much, and feeling way too much. I was trying to untangle the confusion I experienced all my life, and most people were there um, because they were more interested in the subject and were learning how to access their intuition as a matter of interest rather than a, as a, a matter of life or death, which is where I was at with the whole psychic thing at the time. I was passionate. I was afraid to speak only to yell information out. I was afraid I'd offend someone. And I was super emotional about being a medium in that original mentorship group. Um, in fact, I remember the, the first time my mentor invited me to participate in it, I said, I'll show up, but I'm not going to participate. I'll just sort of witness and watch. And to my horror and delight, um, amidst, uh, the exercises and being broken down into groups, I just couldn't even shut my mouth. I just kept channeling and I kept getting information and I, I felt like I had no control over myself and the information that was coming out of my mouth was all validated by the, the small group that we broke into. So it was definitely a turning point in my life. In that small group of three, the very first day I attended group, there was a fellow student named Serena. Um, and she came to the work because she had, I don't know if the timeline was like within that year, she had lost her eight-year-old son to the flu. She had been a computer programmer out of San Francisco um, before moving to Colorado. She was extremely intelligent, and as I understand it, um, though she was raised Catholic, um, from what I remember in our conversations, she hadn't really thought much of the spirit world, let alone had she been disturbed by it during her formative years. And then just like that, her son was gone. Her entire life's focus changed in one instant. She needed to connect with her son, 
and she needed to make sure he was okay. So as the story goes, um, she went to an event where the opening act was a local medium. And if I remember, she had kind of a bad attitude and kind of rolled her eyes and dismissed the local medium, kind of thinking she was a joke, right? So from the stage, the psychic medium said, I have a boy here around eight years old and his parents called him Buddy. And she, of course, shot out of her seat in total disbelief. That was her boy. He was there. They called him Buddy, though his name was JT. So after the reading from the stage, um, she chased the medium down and I think she uh, cornered her in the bathroom or something. <laughs> um, but she, nonetheless, she begged her, begged her to teach her how to connect with her son and she was able to join her um, mentorship group. And that was that. She learned a few things from the group. And I think she'd only been in it three months, six months maximum when I met her. And she was already out there teaching classes on the subject. Now, I couldn't believe somebody could go from zero to 100 like that. I had been a psychic for 29 years at that point, And I couldn't even think about teaching others how to do it. It was all way too confusing to me still at the time. So a couple of years we're in group together and uh, she's just like way farther down the professional uh, journey than I am. And one night she asked me if I could be a fellow reader for a charity event called Christie's Big Night Out um, up in Fort Collins, Colorado. And of course I blushed and I started to shake and I totally whined about being too afraid to do something like that. And typical to her wonderful, straight up California personality, she just looked me dead in the eye and she said sharply, I don't get it. People like me need people like you doing this work. My kid passed away and the only people that could do this work as good as you are the mediums. And, uh, you know, like I appreciate the difference in our personality. She's so direct that her words and honesty woke my ass out of that self pity coma I had put myself in, um, you know, just to not act up to my full potential. Like I didn't understand we had different obstacles, but the way she said that to me narrowed it down to like, I am a medium. And there are people that actually need me to show up as a medium in this world um, because whatever they've gone through, whomever they lost is so much more important than, you know, my little pity party for being a medium and, you know, all the ways that affected me. So honestly, looking into the eyes of a mother that once needed a medium to talk to her son it changed my life forever. I donated my time and my talent to that charity for many years to follow. And what I realized in that moment was that I was looking at my gift as a burden, right? There, there are a lot of things to heal, understand, and overcome when you're born this way. And especially if you're born this way into a family that does not understand or value it, um, and or in my case where they go out of their way to silence you and take your voice away. So th those are different things. Th those have nothing to do with being a medium and little to do with being psychic, but it's rather the environment 
and with the integrity with which you're raised with the gift. And it took me probably another five years and uh, a healing crisis to understand that there's a huge difference between all of these things. I mean, it's awesome, actually. It's actually awesome being a medium if you know how to control it, right? So up until that point, I couldn't control it. And I had no control over my life in general. And I just couldn't, even though I read books, I still kind of couldn't comprehend how I was getting the information. I mean, she was looking at, at my gift through the eyes of a grieving mother. And I had the ability and I needed to get over myself and be able to offer it to others. Um, so, I mean, that's, if you could just say like, why are people mediums? Like that's, that's the moment. That's why, like there are some grief that, that needs to know that, um, their loved ones are still around us and still here. And up until that point, I hadn't really thought of it that way. So since then, she has written several books and has become a fantastic professional medium herself. And she teaches the grieving on how to access their intuition to connect with loved ones on the other side. If you are interested in finding more out about her and her amazing story, go to www.serinabaptista.com. B is in brother, A, P is in Paul, T I S T A dot com. Now, I teach the born psychic mediums. I know what it's like to be born this way, and we need to understand ourselves before we can offer it to others comfortably, shall I say. What she doesn't understand is the those of us born this way, we've had a lifetime of peeping of people telling us that we're making this up or we're weird or or, or you know, giving us wrong advice and a thousand other reasons, right? But so we need to take the time to unwind all of the lies and the misconceptions that we've had and dare I say the shame um, that we've had towards ourselves and maybe some resentment that we hold towards others for shaming this within ourselves and taking that in and trying to, again, shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. So in, in working with the public for, you know, since 2007, however long that's been, the most common five ways people realize that they are psychic are number one born highly intuitive. So this is when you realize that you see things and feel things that other people don't experience the same way that you do. Um, often, often people are born intuitive and yes, of course it can be environment that like, you know, kids are still close to heaven, right? They just came from there. And, um, you know, their imaginary friends are still really alive and well when they're tiny. And like everybody else, um, we grow out of that phase or we learn to shut it down or we learn to stop paying attention. And some of us never get the privilege to um, grow out of that phase <laughs> for, you know, whatever reason. I would say those of us sort of more called to actually work in the field, don't let that part of us go. But um, I think in average, all people, if we could understand how intuition works, you know, globally, 
in every single human being, then this is something that wouldn't be like, well, a few people are born this way. Um, in my experience, most people are born highly intuitive and it's a matter of understanding and training, um, kind of like emotions, right? Like there are some families where emotions are alive and well, and there are some families, mine included, that I was born with where how dare you have an emotion or I, I don't really know if we even said the word emotion. It was like, you're just bad, you know, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad if you had any sort of, let's just say, emotional um, experience or feelings or what have you. So um, the spiritual um, the spiritual part of the human being is just as normal and natural as the emotional part. And so when we're talking about, um, well, I'm highly intuitive. Well, I'm also highly emotional and you are too, probably. And so these are just natural parts of maybe some of us have higher expressions of all of these. And that doesn't mean that people that don't express emotion don't express emotion or people that don't express, you know, constant spiritual information that doesn't necessarily mean they don't have it. The second way people realize they are psychic um, is that they feel sensitive over time. So sometimes life helps reopen people's intuition up. And um, when they get older, you know, it's kind of like we, we collect all this information like, man, I predicted that would happen or, oh, my instincts told me or my least favorite way of talking about intuition when people say their guts gut instinct. I hate that. <laughs> it's just personal for me. I hate that because it's not our guts talking to us. But anyway, um, so often it's just a, a maturity or with time, they can kind of come back and understand how intuition has been a part of their life for a long time. And then as with anything, the acceptance of it and perhaps the like desire to understand it helps strengthen intuition. And then you really get that experience of, you know, what type of psychic you are, whether you're like, Hey, I just really know people's feelings or, um, I, I can see things in your future. You know, I think that's rarer, but it certainly is, um, part of the big picture of intuition. Number three, <sighs> this one does it most of the time. Number three is loss of a loved one. So, in my research over the last 13 years, when somebody that you love passes away, it either brings people closer to their intuition or it separates them even farther from their intuition. So it depends on how they handle the grief. It depends on, let's just say, if they sought out a medium and they had a god-awful experience that, of course, would create resentment and rage and pain, um, to, you know, continue problem, you know, to continue them going more away from their intuition. Like you're longing for the connection again. And, you know, if you go to, let's just say again, a bad medium or you have a bad spiritual experience, it's just too much, right? So you shut it down and you try to stop talking to your loved ones where, um, a lot of my clients and a lot of people in my family that I know when they lose somebody, it actually can bring them closer to their intuition. Um, so, you know, I have an aunt who's lost so many people that she loves and, um, 
it's not negotiable now, right? So like maybe the first, the second person she loved that passed away, it was like, I think I had a vision or I, I think I smelled them or I, I feel like they're around. It's kind of all, like these things are full of doubt, right? You want to talk about them, but you're also full of doubt where now it's just like, oh no, like my sister was here. I had a vision. You know, I had a visit from my sister last night and this is what she said, which is clairaudience, right? So <laughs> she saw her sister clairvoyance and she heard her clairaudience, right? So I, if I can just refine this, you know, when our loved ones cross over, they are simply going into a higher vibration among us. So they're not going like out into the clouds. They're just, they're around us, but they're in a higher vibration. So if we, if you can be trained, you can be trained to understand how that feels to you as in this dimension, how you experience, how you use your intuition to connect with your loved ones on the other side, i.e. in a higher vibration among us. The fourth one that is also very common is when, well, it's number four is feeling lost in life. Um, so when I was 20 years old and I moved um, from Montana <laughs> to New York City by myself, I, it was all hands on deck and I was constantly in prayer. I was constantly looking for like, you know, I was asking for guidance, not speaking that language back then, but I was definitely praying and asking for guidance, um, in a way I hadn't when I was just, you know, in my hometown surrounded by people I just grew up with, right? You're, you don't have as much of a need to be guided when you're like in your own backyard, obviously. So, um, when people travel, when people move to new cities or states, when people are in new relationships, um, it's the newness, it's the vulnerability, it's the I'm out of my comfort zone. Those are times when people are typically kicked into a prayer slash guidance mode. Um, and so the lostness, the lost, you know, feeling lost helps us be vulnerable enough to lean on our intuition for survival. Obviously, I use my intuition to get on the trains to avoid people. <laughs> I mean, whatever that whole experience, um, you can imagine. But you know, um, in my profession, in my career, um, you typically see it around age 50, uh, maybe late 40s, age 50, 60s, almost 100%. Um, if people are coming to me for guidance, they're, they're thinking about these things, they're wondering about these things, they're desperate to understand things like guidance and direction and intuition. Um, but that's typically the age, you know, where maybe the parents have passed away, and hopefully the kids are doing their thing and they're thriving, but they don't need you anymore. Um, and so there's a sense of feeling lost in life that often brings people to their intuition. Number five, near death experiences. So people going that close to heaven rarely come back blind to their connection to heaven. Our connection to heaven is our intuition and our intuition is the language of the soul. So this is rarer, obviously, um, but um, 
I used to study um, near-death experiences, and it's like in that state, you often are experiencing that which mediums can experience just sitting here. Um, So in many ways, I studied it because it would help validate what I already saw. So for example, there was a time where if... um, the angels were around and I could actually see them. I, their eyes are so full of light. I couldn't, I couldn't see the eye, right? It was just light. And, um, many, many near death experiences, um, they would say there were these beings of light, but then when you look towards the eyes, you couldn't see the eyes cause they were, um, that much more full of light. So those things sort of help validate things. I was just, you know, it would be impossible. Like, yeah, I'm seeing it, but I just don't believe it. <laughs> you know, ah, we're so stubborn and we're so hard to please. And even when we see it, feel it, know it, hear it, smell it, we're like, mm, that can't be true. <laughs> so near death experiences, um, again, like obviously there are some people that actually have scary near death experiences and that's on, uh, that's a different podcast. Um, but I would like to address that at, at a time because that's, that's a relevant and a terrifying um, thing. And there's a reason for it. And it's not as common. It's normal, but it's not as common. So um, typically, the near death experiences just make people understand who they are and what they are um, in a way that mediums do in general, if we get over ourselves, and if we can get over our brains trying to rationalize the shit out of everything. Um, that is what it's like. And near-death experiences validate that for us. So it's a cool thing. I'd encourage you to, to study some near-death experiences because ah, they're fascinating anyway, right? I mean, I'd rather hear about it than go through it personally. <laughs> personally, right? Every time I have a friend or a colleague tell me about them, I'm like, Ugh, I, that's a little too intense for me. We are all born intuitive, right? So we just, we realize it at different points in life. Like, so whatever point you come to understand this, it's a perfect time for you. There's no hierarchy in the soul's needs for experiences. So me being born this way is not above my friend coming to the work through the loss of her son and vice versa. It's our life lessons, which reveal our life's path. So I was born to teach other intuitives and she, right, her story, her purpose is to help the grieving in a way, pray God, that I cannot. And, uh, you know, she can't necessarily, she can understand it intellectually and and empathically, certainly, but, um, you know, she'll, she'll, she does not have the childhood that I did or the early life, um, training and belief systems and fear and, you know, whatever else I went through. So when my students come to me, I know exactly what they're talking about. And I even know when they're not talking about it, what this sort of behavior is, Um, And what it's, you know, like in the last episode I shared about one of my students and, um, you know, she's always told she was so angry, so angry. And I see her as one of the most tender hearted people I've ever met. So the anger is there, but it's, it's a lie that she's angry. Um, Had she been told as a young person that she's actually very tender hearted and very gentle and she needs the world to be nice to each other and she needs the world to be gentle and loving and it's not, that's where the rage comes from. So, um, 
it's all confusing. I mean, good. even the most psychic, uh, even the most gifted psychics, we all doubt our abilities because intuition is so subtle and um, it's easy to talk yourself out of its existence. In fact, the smarter you are, the harder it is because you can't rationalize yourself into the soul. You cannot think your way there. I try to understand as much as I can and I'm a big fan of the why but at some point, man, your brain just cannot comprehend um, what it all means. You know, I, we, there's, we have limitations and that's just the way it is. So we give our minds far too much credit for the miracles our intuition leads us through. And sometimes when the mind gets in the way, we actually miss the miracle of what our intuition just showed us. So you can't think your way through guidance. We must be still. We must be willing to receive guidance. And then when the guidance comes, only then can we think about what it all really means. All right, you guys, I'm going to conclude this podcast with telling a few stories. And um, I just, I, I hope that you can see yourself within the stories and we can make some connections about how intuition works and how it works in your life, how it works for your loved ones and all the above, right? So I want to tell a quick story about, I was so resentful and so scared to come out as a psychic medium. Um, and I think I'd been doing it professionally for a year, a year and a half. And my dad had been visiting. I had my son and he was visiting because of the baby or something. And, um, I had to go to group that night. And so I thought, okay, this is a great time to just tell him what's going on. Like, whatever, I'm just going to tell him. So I remember so vividly, um, he and I were just sitting there and, um, he'd asked, you know, where are you going? Where, you know, what is the thing you're going to? And I said, well, it's, um, it's like an intuitive group, um, you know, psychic group and you do exercises and you learn all about it. And I said something like, you know, just to let you know, I'm, I'm psychic and, uh, I've been taking a few clients and I kind of think I was born this way. And, you know, my mentor thinks I've really got some talent at it. And so he did what he always does. He changed the subject and pretended I hadn't said anything, which was just typical at the time. So I went to my thing, I came home, no big deal. But the next day, um, we were driving and, I actually couldn't shut the guy up. He had so many stories and he, you know, confessed things that he had experienced. Um, and you know, about an hour into that, I got really frustrated and I said, you know, if you are so intuitive, why didn't you help me when I was a kid? And I think what he said was so profound and so simplistic because it's true. He said, how can I help you understand something I didn't even understand myself? So doesn't that, isn't that what it comes down to? You know, I've shared the story about seeing it in my daughter when she's two. And my terror was I didn't know how to help her. And I couldn't live like that anymore. And, um, you know, in terms of my father, he, his, his, his father, um, was born in Florida and both of his parents were deaf mutes, deaf mutes. Okay. So I, you know, I, I'd studied intuition for years and all the big psychics said that intuition comes down in family lines. So that was another thing for like a decade. I'm like, well, I can't be intuitive because nobody in my family is psychic. <coughs> so 
I am like the baby of this big, huge family and nobody had ever confessed of being a psychic medium. And sure enough, when I come out of the closet, I just like open the door for everybody else. You know, my dad's intuitive. His dad was obviously, my grandpa didn't say very much, but um, what I understood in reflection was that he was just downloading, you know, he's just remote viewing me through my whole childhood. So he really didn't need to talk to me and he still felt like he understood me, right? That's so classic psychic medium there. Um, also, this is a lineage of people that blush. So like in my youth, I I was like horrified to see people because I would blush so bad. If you have got two psychics in the room, like they're both bright red. So that that's blushing is an, like a, an indicator of intuition because we feel really vulnerable in front of each other. We feel very exposed and we assume everybody can read us the way that we can read you. So again, the fine point on that story is that I am the youngest of this very big family. Um, and for decades, I heard people say that psychic um, the psychic gift comes from generations. And I had the belief system that nobody in my family was, therefore I could not be no matter how crazy things got for me and how much intuition, you know, how much knowledge, whatever. Um, so that's a lie because you don't know unless the people above you know that about themselves and confess it. <laughs> hello, they might know that they might think that of themselves. And that doesn't mean they're going to be honest about it. So if I'm just saying that we have to let go of this belief system that um, you can only be psychic if grandpa came out, like, you know, or if your parents came out, that's just not true. Because that would assume that everybody's talking about it. Um, so I, I just want to encourage you that, um, you know, it might be true, right? I am obviously one of many of the family and I come from two deaf mute grandparents. I mean, <laughs> they had to have been firing on all intuitive pistons just to survive. So I, I, but like, I didn't make those connections even, you know, 20 years ago. I didn't really understand that even that simple story of my family, I didn't really comprehend that my grandparents were both deaf mutes. This is of course, second, you know, great grandparents. So, you know, all these years later, um, I am the safe place for those older generations to come confide in. I'm the person they call when they have questions. I am the person who teaches them about their intuition. Um, so I just want to encourage you if you two are the younger one, um, that, um, a, I want to encourage you to be open to teaching the older generations because they, you know, we all need to make peace with this part of ourselves if it's really high and if it's really, if it's something that they need to make peace with and understand finally. I just want to encourage you to offer that generously. And, you know, I've said this in other podcasts, you might be the youngest person physically, but you also might be the oldest spirit in the family line. So just consider that the next time the older generations come to you for help. And uh, again, maybe you've suffered because they didn't help you. Um, this is a time of completion and forgiveness and moving forward with who you are. Okay, another story I want to tell you was I had a client come to me. I first met her at one of my Ask a Medium events, and then she came to like a spirit guide talk um, lecture I gave. 
And um, then she like won a session with me. I forget, but she paid for a session. She came for a session. And the theme of that session was that she predicted things. And when they came true, she felt unbelievably guilty. Okay. So by the time I had a session with her, she was probably in her 70s. And she told the story that she knew the neighbor's horse would get out. And that morning before she came for our um, session, the horse escaped and got out just as she predicted. So um, you can imagine the insane burden this puts on people when they've predicted things and they come true. So I want to speak to your heart about that. It's, um, again, just because you see it and you know it does not make you responsible for it. You see it, you know it, you hear it, you feel it because you're intuitive. Because, um, you know, it's like seeing something like your TV's on and you glance at the television. That does not make you responsible for the image on the television. You saw the image because you have sight. Okay. It does not make it your fault. That does not mean you, you know, some, some people, their special, special intuitive gift, i.e. telepathy, remote viewing, claircognizance, clairvoyance. That's all in that realm of seeing and knowing. Um, that's your special gift. You can predict the future. Not everyone can. And I try hard not to, <laughs> but like there are some people that no matter what you do, you're going to, okay. That that's just the way you are. And you just must accept this part of yourself. And I want to say this to you, look in my eyes. If you could <laughs> listen to my words, it is not your fault. There was a lot of stories of psychic people predicting, knowing that the world trade centers were going to be hit with planes. I think there was like these like celebrity twins. I don't even know, but I remember they knew it. They tried to tell people like they were freaking out. And then when it happened, like it kind of ruined their lives because they felt so responsible for it that they couldn't bear that it happened. It's not your fault. I want you to, to encourage you to see it as, again, an image on the television. You can see it because you have sight. If you're getting visions of horses escaping, people passing away, that's another burdenous, burdenous um, prediction. That is not your fault, honey. This is normal life stuff. This stuff happens in life. And you got a glimpse of it because you can. I want to equate that or compare it to there is this musician and his mom was shot to death when he was 15. So now like all these mediums come up and call him and want to give him a message. And he, he said like, why would my mom go to like some other person to give me a message? Why wouldn't she tell me directly? And he was nasty about it. And I'm like, because you're not a medium. <laughs> I mean, if somebody is looking at you, they see her. Why? Because she's in your aura. She's next to you. It's not like mediums just think they're know-it-alls and they, they see your mom because she's next to you. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that if you can put yourself in the shoes of a medium and it's very hard for a medium to have to keep their mouth shut and you know, some of us get the message and that's spiritual maturity. 
it's boundaries where we don't go around telling everybody everything we see that but I'm telling you like mediums feel very responsible for giving messages so I want to just encourage you and normalize you that have that predictive ability that just because you predicted it does not make you responsible just because that guy's mom is in her his aura does not mean all mediums have to tell him (laughs) but to have compassion for the poor mediums that like feel like they have to compassion for yourself that you feel like you have to prevent all these things from happening you can't you're not god it's not your fault and i want you to try to find some peace with this part of yourself another quick uh, another quick simple story i was reading for a client once and um he was clearly highly intuitive himself and just totally in doubt <laughs> which i understood but um his mom had passed away And the thing about being a medium is that we have to say really stupid shit. And like some of us are like filtering, filtering, because we don't want to sound stupid and we're trying to protect the client. And then we're trying to protect ourselves because we can't necessarily control the way uh, a spirit gives us information. But if we don't give it the way they give it to us, we totally can screw up the information. So I've, I've learned over years of getting my ass kicked from the spirits that I have to just say it the way I get it. And so he was kind of testing me and he'd said something like, um, you know, she was saying like, you, you, you missed the message. And he goes, well, how did I miss the message? Like, um, he, he, it was the night she'd passed away and he knew she had passed away. And, um, he goes, well, how did I miss the message? And she goes, well, I left it for you. And so I said to him, she said she left it for you. And he goes, well, what, what did she leave for me? And she said to me, I left the phone on the pillow for you. And I felt so stupid. But I said it the exact way she asked me to. And he started to cry. And he said that night I knew she was gone. And when I woke up, the phone was placed on the pillow next to him. She left it literally on the pillow for him. Um, so he cried. And uh, again, the, the beauty of understanding myself as a medium, offering that ability to not only the spirits, but also my clients who are also fellow intuitives, psychics, mediums, it, it validated for him his own gift. He knew what was going on. He was in total doubt. Even when there was something put put on his pillow, he was still full of doubt and sought out a medium for validation on that. Um, so something so simple can change the people, you know, can change lives. The trajectory, sorry, I'm not saying that word right, trajectory of how he experiences messages from his loved ones has you know, it's totally been altered now. And he has so much more confidence because of that one specific message. And my final story is about a, um, I don't even know what you call her. She's been so many things to me over the years. I want to say her name so bad, but I'm not going to. But when you see yourself in this podcast, hello, I'm thinking about you and I'm talking about you. And I, I hope that your story is here to help other people come to their gift as well. So I had my first Ask a Medium event, I don't know, 2008, 2009, 
2010. I don't remember. But um, I was scared out of my mind as I went down to my first live event. And um, <laughs> this tall, lovely woman walked in the door um, before the event. And I was just hanging out with everybody because I knew the director of the woman who was hosting my event at her um, studio. And so um, this lovely woman walked in and she and I just walked up to each other and started to talk and I'm much more shy. So that was odd that she and I just like, I just walked up to her and we started to talk. Um, so I knew right away that there was something different about her because I was immediately comfortable with her. Okay. So she, she's at my Ask a Medium events and she loved it. She sent me a follow-up um, love note about being thankful for the message I offered her that night about her brother. And, you know, whatever I offered, let's just say over the next six months, she participated in, I did like a psychic, um, you know, just like a three hours psychic training thing, you know, introduction. She came to that. She came to me for a private session. And so that just before the new year, um, I offered to start taking mentorship students and I invited her cause I knew she had the gift and <laughs> she said, Oh, uh, you know, thank you for inviting me, but I can't imagine you'd get much out of me. <laughs> you know, like, why would I do this training? And, you know, I understood what she was saying. She doesn't, she didn't, she, like the rest of us at some point, she didn't understand how freaking intuitive she was. So <laughs> I said, A, the guides are saying that you'd be a fantastic candidate for the program. And I like you, so I'd love to train you. And um, B, you're going to just be full of surprises because I understand what it's like to not understand how t damn talented you are. And so she did. She she participated in the mentorship, I think, for the next four or five years, however long I offered it. Um, over that time, I did do um, more intense medium training. And though, you know, we did the medium, we did the mentorship and then we did like group work. And so in the group work, she was really able to see how psychic she was. Now, when I, um, talked to her about her medium skills and I offered an advanced class, there was a time where she was in tears. Like she, she's like, I'm not as me. I'm not as talented as the rest of you. I can't do that. I am not a medium. And I just, I had compassion because a, she lived alone. So I do think that there's something just psychologically mm, vulnerable about thinking about spirits when you live alone. So I had a lot of compassion for her at that point in her life. And, um, I understand like how it's just hard to understand sometimes. Like you, you think it should be easy, like spirit standing there, but you, you know, we do all, we're very powerful and we do all kinds of mental tricks to, to ignore things. And so when you live that way for 60 years, you can't just like all of a sudden go, Oh, okay. I totally am open to it. And I totally understand it. It's just, I'm sorry. It's just not that simple. So she had been in tears and she did not want to participate in the advanced medium stuff. And I, you know, no judgment. So I go to California for a few years. I come back and I offer mentorship again, and she wanted to get back into the program. And then I start doing something a little bit different with her where during our session, I, I, I roll reverse. So I put my student in my reading chair and I have them cast out the way I do to, to break things down into sections. 
And like at our very first medium exercise, she brought in the most specific, the most incredible three-dimensional information, right? And so it's like, she's a medium. And at this point, she's one of my best mediums I've ever got to work with. Okay. The point is, is that being a medium is not as easy as like, oh, look at the spirit. Cool. It's, there's so much more to it. And we're people and we have a lot of feelings around what we're experiencing. So there's a lot of roadblocks. There's a lot of belief systems and patterns. There's just a lot of reasons and I won't bore you with all of that right now. But, um, I wanted to share this story with you because maybe you see yourself in that where, you know, why is it so cool to be a medium if you are? Well, you can have more control over your environment, especially if you live alone, right? Um, and being able to talk to spirits and guides helps you have more confidence in the rest of your life. It also makes you feel way safer than maybe you had lived before when you kind of felt more like you were alone. Um, so, Again, the introduction to mediumship, it's just like when you have more control who's around you energetically and you know what is around you and then being able to talk to your spirit guide um, like a person because they are, it just gives you so much more confidence and sense of security and sense of belonging. And, you know, if you're a mother and your kids are older, it's like it gives you even more reassurance about their safety and their capability and all of these things. I've watched um, sort of exploring this gift with her, how it's just totally expanded and changed who she's become. When I say become, it's like she's always been that, right? But sometimes we're not ready for the next level. And um, obviously she was ready. And she had grandbabies come in, which obviously um, prepares the heart for just a whole new chapter, right? <laughs> okay, okay. So as you can see, I'm very long-winded and I love this work and I love sharing stories with you. And obviously my intention is always that I hope my prayer is that you can see yourself within the stories that I tell and um, welcome this gift to become integrated in your life as well. So anyway, that's it for this week. As always, if you're curious about which is the strongest Claire in you, you know, your clairvoyance, clairaudience, you know, your Claire's, which is your intuition, go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take my quiz, which Claire are you? <laughs> and if you want to share that, um, what you got, check me out on Facebook, send me a note on Instagram, whatever. I'd love to hear what your results from that um, quiz were. Thank you so much for being here with me this week. Subscribe to my podcast um, so you can catch next week's podcast, which looks like it's called um, I'm Freaking Out, <laughs> How to Manage Cell Memory as We Get Older. So I'm excited about that one. Um, I'm freaking out. <laughs> um, so anyway, I'll see you next week. And um, remember, it's your birthright to be guided and be great. <laughs>